1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? You got to run in such a way as to get the prize. But everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown. Uh, they do it to get a crown that will not last. Did you hear that? They get a crown, but that crown doesn't last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone aimlessly, and I don't fight like a boxer beating into the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to speak to you this morning about seven steps to winning. This is a choice that every person must make in life about what you're going to be and who you're going to become. You have to choose to win because winning is a choice. Let's say it together. Winning is a choice. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're going to trust you today to take that step to the victory lane and to be the winners because you called us and destined us to win through your son, Jesus. Thank you for that. And your son's name and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking and sit down. I thank you for being here today. Worship team, you are good looking. I really believe that. I mean it. I speak it in love. I think there's something to be said. And I got to tell you too, I'm really excited, uh, family, about the new Oasis Church coming in just a few short Sundays. I, I can't give the definite date yet because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I want to scream it out. But I just want you to know, it's only a few short Sundays away and you're going to hear us announce when we're moving over. And I want you to stay the course because there's so much excellence in the new facility. I wish I could show you pictures, but you got to see it all in its totality. But it's just a level of faith and, and, and just excitement, just from the colors to the, to the design elements, just to the faith factor that will rise in the new facility. And I want you to know also those of you that are here that have been with us for a while this year purposely, we haven't done things at this facility as we're getting ready to move. But next year, we'll have services throughout the week. We'll have studies throughout the week at that new facility. There'll be lots of connection points starting in January and beyond. So you don't want to miss out this next season of Oasis Behind the Mall because the new facility is going to blow your wig back. Trust me, it's going to blow your wig back. And I used to have one, and now I don't. So it blew mine back. But it's going to be a phenomenal place of fellowship. So we're going to be telling you about uh, just maybe next Sunday or the Sunday. We might do it on Christmas. We might say on Christmas uh, when we're moving over then a couple of Sundays after. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think there's something about winning that everybody likes. How many of you like winning teams. Can I see your hands? You must not be Raider fans. Okay. I think that winning is important, but winning is a choice. You don't become a winner. You have to choose to win. In life, you're not born to lose, but you are born to choose. So how do you go from being average to being the best in your field? the best restaurant owner, the best, the best entrepreneur, the best businessman, woman, the best mom, the best dad. The, how do you become average and take that average and become one of the best in your field? What makes a Vince Lombardi? What makes a coach John Wooden who wins six back-to-back -back NBA championships with UCLA? What, what makes that person rise out of that, that the mediocrity into, into a winning circle? What makes a man like Joseph in the Old Testament who was ridiculed, rejected by his own brothers, thrown into a pit, 
been falsely accused of, of rape of Potiphar's wife, thrown into a prison, but yet he goes through all that adversity and becomes the prime minister of Egypt in a day. How does that happen? What's the champion characteristics of a guy like Moses, who was a murderer in Egypt, who was forgotten, he was rejected. Literally, he's isolated for 40 years because he had an anger issue, but yet God in a few days took him out of obscurity into notoriety and he led two million plus people out of bondage to the promised land. God comes down, writes the Ten Commandments on the mountain for him, literally takes him on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus in the New Testament. What causes that? What makes a man like the Apostle Paul, who's bloodied on the road to Damascus, who's escaped in a basket over a wall from being murdered, who was stoned, and I mean by rocks, not by the ganja. He's stoned and left for dead. He's bitten by deadly vipers. He's rejected, shipwrecked, hated. He's beaten three different times, but he says these light afflictions are not worthy to be compared for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And God gives him a guided tour to the splendor of heaven. What makes somebody rise to become that? What makes you and I take off the shackles of mediocrity and get into the champion circle? It's a choice that we make because winning is a choice. But let me just tell you this, because crowns are given to winners. We live in a society, however, where everybody gets a, part a participation trophy. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I think there needs to be a clear definition of somebody who wins and somebody who loses. I don't know about you must be 49er fans. I don't know about you, but we're not giving out participation trophies in heaven. You get there because you've received Jesus and that means you're a winner because you choose this day whom you serve. Can I get a witness preach this message, somebody? There's something to be said. But we live in a society where it says, oh, everybody gets a participation trophy. Oh, you just showed up. Mama's little biscuit eater. Yay! And you get this trophy because you participated and you get this. But winners are choosing to win and they have to believe they can win. But crowns are given to the righteous. That's why the church is going to wear a crown when they get to heaven over, over the victory that they won because they've received the Lord. I think that's important. I know it's important because winning is a choice. You're not born to win. You have to choose to win. In the seven steps on winning, that first step you must take to become a winner is receiving Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. The Bible says something interesting. It says, what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but yet loses something? He loses his soul. Jesus said, marvel not, you must be born again, born from above. What he's saying is there is no option. You must be born again. You may have the money like Bill Gates and maybe Donald Trump or maybe even Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett, and you may be able to buy them out of your coffee can money. But I want you to know without Christ as your Savior, you are a certified loser on your way to nowhere with nothing to show for it because you've lost something and you've lost it and you can't get it back. It's eternal and it's your soul. You know, life on this earth, it's temporal. Life on this earth, it's temporary. You know what life looks? The Bible says if we're lucky, we get 70 years promised. That's what the scriptures say. Do you want to know what 70 years looks like to God? It, the scriptures tell us it's like a puff of a steam kettle. And after we breathe our last breath here, we end up in eternity somewhere. We're gone, but we're gone to eternity. And in that eternity, 
is somewhere. Do you know there was a day when you didn't exist? I talked to a, a new mother the other day, and I was telling her that that baby, it, even though it came through her, that baby came from God, and it came through the womb of that mother. But I want you to know that little baby from now on until, until eternity will be somewhere. But do you know there was a day when you were not? You, weren't, you didn't exist. When the Caesars ruled Rome, you read about it in the history book, you may study it, but you weren't there. You didn't exist. When Columbus discovered the new world, you read about it, you know it happened, you live in America, but you were not there. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt into the promised land, we read about it, we believe it, but we were not there there. You and I can read about things that happened in the past, but we were not there to experience. But there will come a day in the near future for many people where you will breathe your last breath here and you will open up your eyes and breathe breath some where? Where will that be? Will it be in the paradise with God Almighty or a place so horrible? I don't even have the mental capacity or the knowledge to explain how awful it will be if you don't take that step to become a winner by receiving the Lord. How long? Have you ever thought about this today? How long is eternity? It's hard for us to grasp eternity. It's hard for us to grasp a thousand years. How is it that we can grasp 100 years, 50 years? Some of you can't grasp a month. It's hard for you to grasp what you're going to do after lunch today. Some of you have trouble grasping what's going to happen in five years. Have you ever thought about eternity? How long is eternity? How long is it? I heard a great preacher named Spurgeon tell this story about describing how long eternity really is. And he described a sparrow that would not die and carry a handkerchief that would not wear out. And that sparrow carry a delicate cloth like I hold in my hand in its beak and drag this delicate fabric across Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney would be 15,000 feet high of granite rock. Every one time, every 1,000 years, that sparrow not die, that handkerchief not wear out, just simply drag across Mount Whitney one time every 1,000 years. Can I tell you when Mount Whitney was worn smooth with the sands of time, one second of eternity has not begun yet. That's how long it is. Can I tell you as a believer today, the day of your coronation, angels in heaven will line up row upon row, rank upon rank, file upon file. They will place the trumpets to their lips and they will announce your coming. Angels will begin to explode into concert, announcing your arrival as you've entered into the gates, going home to be where Jesus is. I want you to realize this earth is not our home. I want you to understand we're not here but for a moment, but we as believers will be going home where Jesus is, where heaven is. I don't feel at home at world, in this world all the time, but I know there's coming an eternity where I shall be with the Lord forever. There's a great cloud of witnesses and they are screaming, don't give up. You fight the good fight of faith. Don't quit. Heaven is worth 10,000 worlds. Don't stop. Endure to the end. The race is almost over. There's something about waiting to get to your eternal home. I want you to understand today the splendor, the splendor. When you as a believer receive Jesus, the splendor of your interest into heaven will make the Super Bowl look like a mud hut at the end of a dirt road. 
That's how wonderful it is. Some of you got to get out of your mind that heaven is like angels floating around, laying down on clouds every day, doing nothing. That's not what heaven is at all. God is creative. He's wonderful. The God of the universe, the God that we serve, the Holy Spirit, he created the beautiful butterfly, but yet he created the skunk. How much of a spectrum is that? How creative is our God? You have to get out of your mind that serving God is boring and, oh, it's this God, it's this church. I want you to know our God is wonderful. Heaven is going to be a real eye-opening experience as we realize the greatness of our God and the greatness of his grace toward us. I think about you often because some of you have been raised in religion and religion. Here's how you know you've been raised in religion because you have it in your spirit that you don't quite have it. And if you're not careful, you're going to lose it. You don't quite have it. And if you're not careful, you're going to lose it. That's religion. That's how you know you're living under this banner of religion. But a relation says, a relationship says you got it and you can't lose it. You got it and you can't lose it. I want you to know, friends, when you take that first step and receive the Lord Jesus and develop a relationship with him, you got it and you can't lose it. Can I get a witness this morning? Oh, that's a wonderful truth. Think about when you go to heaven. I read a true story about two missionaries had given their life into the place of Africa into the horn of Africa. And as they gave their life as missionaries, this was some years ago, they had dedicated their life to serving the people of Africa, feeding the children, digging wells, and providing the gospel of hope and meeting those tangible needs. And they, as they were getting ready to retire, they boarded a, a ship to come back to America. And on this particular vessel, this is a true story, the president at the time, Roosevelt, was on his way home from a hunting expedition and he was on the same ship coming to America. And as they entered into the harbor there in New York City, the fanfare were there, the reporters were there, the photographers were there, they were waving banners there. And as the president walked off the ship, they gave him a grand applause, they gave announcements, they took pictures, everybody screamed and accolades were given to the president as he arrived home. The two missionaries looked at each other, nobody was there waiting for him. Nobody was there to greet them as they came off the boat. And the man thought to himself, you know, God, I've served you all my life and I don't get a reception when I come home. And he felt kind of sorry for himself and he felt God speak to his heart and says, that's because you're not home yet. I want you to understand you're not home yet. Don't you worry about accolades here. Don't you worry about people giving you a participation trophy here. You're not going for a race on this earth where the crown begins to fade. You're going for a race in the heavenlies where your crown will never be given back only unto the Lord. You will have it forever and forever. I think about that because the scriptures say there's no other name given unto men whereby we might be saved other than that precious name of Jesus. If you reject that precious name, if you reject him, you are a loser beyond compare. But when you receive him, you receive the great gift of relationship that you can, you can accomplish, you can be victorious. That's why I implore you today to choose Christ, choose the Lord, choose him, honor him, because 
become passionate for him and what he loves. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to God except it comes through me. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. I want you to know, he said, I'm the only way. That means Buddha can't cut it. Allah can't make it happen. Joseph Smith ain't got the juice and the Virgin Mary don't got the clout. Only Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, he and he alone can save us. Now, think about that this morning because the Bible is really a book of winners written about winners and how they overcame adversity to reach their divine destiny because God gives crowns to winners. He doesn't give participation trophies to everybody who gets involved. He gives it to those who choose this day whom they serve and you become a winner. And God gives you the crown because you've honored him and you've kept the faith. That's why I love the book of Revelation. I know many of you haven't dabbled in that book because it can be overwhelming to you. You can read about the mark and all these uh, signs of the end times. But I want you to know in its entirety, the book of Revelation is really a book dedicated to winners. God has dedicated that last book to winners, Revelation 2, 7, to him that overcometh. Overcometh is the Bible term for winning. To him that wins, to him that overcomes. Here's what God says. I'll let them eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What's the prize? The prize is eternal life something that mankind has been looking for. So they look for it with this church. They look for it with this type of religion. They look for it for this way. When they, when they miss the whole thing, have a relationship with his son, Jesus. What's the prize? Eternal life. Revelation 2.11, to him that overcomes, to the winner to the winner. They will not be hurt in the second death. That's why when people start teaching you about, you're going to go through tribulation, you're going to go through the great tribulation, I want you to take them to Revelation 2.11. says, to the winner, they shall not be hurt in the second death. We are not appointed unto wrath. We are under the grace of God. Why? Because his promises are yes, and they are amen. Revelation 2.17, to him that overcometh, I will give him the meat of the manna, and I will give him a white stone, and on that white stone, a new name. Why is that important? Because in the Bible times, white stones were given to people who received justification, and they were acquitted for what they've done wrong and the things that have happened. What God's saying, he's saying, when you get to heaven, you're going to receive a white stone. And on that stone, you're going to receive a new name because it shows that this man, this woman is innocent and justified through the blood of the cross because they have followed me as a devoted follower. Revelation 2.16, to him that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end. Whose works? God's works. Not your works, not your works, not your works. Nobody's works. So you can't brag about how great you are. It's God. God's works, how great he is and what he has done. I will give power over the nations. I like that. That means you and I are going to have a place of authority. The righteous are going to rule the earth. There's a new administration coming. It's not a Republican party. It's not a Democratic party. It's the kingdom of our God and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. I love that. Revelation 3, 5, to him that overcometh, I will confess his name. I'll confess his name. God says, I'm going to confess your name in heaven. That's the same thing Jesus said. He said, if you're denying me before men, I'll deny you before my father. 
Jesus said, if you're ashamed to confess me in front of man, I'll be ashamed to confess you in front of my Father. That's what God's saying here. Revelation 3.12, to him that overcometh, to the winner, I'll make them a pillar in the temple of my God. What's God saying? You're going to have a place of prominence. You're going to have a place of prominence, a place of authority. Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh, they will sit upon my throne, and they have also overcome. All believers come into a place of authority. Why? Because Christ has made the victory possible on our behalf at the cross. That's why the baby came in the manger, not to go goo-goo and gaga at the baby. The baby has grown up, and he sits by the right hand of God the Father with power and great authority authority. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He has conquered the grave. That's the greatest gospel message there ever will be. He's conquered sickness. He's conquered disease. Help me preach it. He has conquered every form of disease and disabilities. Our God has conquered poverty. He's given you a new name. He's given you the riches of his son. He's given you the riches of Abraham. He's given you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you did not dig. He's opened up the windows of heaven and blessings upon you that you cannot continue is anybody excited about the goodness of God today? A few of you. The rest of you need to get saved. You need to get saved and stop with the religious thing. I don't quite have it, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. You'll die on your sin, you'll go to hell. When you receive Christ and his wonderful victory, you become a winner. But I want you to know as we close our time today, all winners, all winners, this is point two. I'm going to finish the rest next Sunday. All winners have to get through adversity and disabilities and disappointments to get to where God wants them to be. They all have overcome something. There's a common denominator when you read about winners. I love reading about people, studying about people, because I like to know what it took for them to make it and what they did to lose it. Because I want to I learn by their mistakes and I want to learn by their successes. That's how I think it's important because I've learned that all winners, they overcome adversity and disability. They overcome dis- disadvantages. You know, Moses was slow in speech. He had a stuttering problem. And God had to, through Moses... He was going to speak on God's behalf, but he was so intimidated by his, by his disability that he had to get somebody speak before him. And what's so important about that is you read in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, Moses was an orator to the nations. He was the great spokesman. Yet he's sitting here going, I'm disabled. I can't speak. I got, I got, I got a trouble stu- 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 stuttering. I can't do it. And God says, you're going to be the orator of the nations. You're going to speak and lead millions of people out. I know you got an anger problem, Moses. I know that you've got the issues, but I'm going to use you for my glory. It's the apostle Paul. He's got a thorn in his flesh. And God says, I'm not going to remove it. Why? Because that apostle had so much power flowing through him that people were trying to worship him and not God. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you in the time of your weakness. That's what I'll pull out the greatest strength. You just for a moment, as we close, look at the champions that God used to bless humanity, but yet the adversities that they had to overcome. Cripple a woman, and you have Joni Erickson, who paints the most beautiful pictures in her teeth, who at this very moment is battling 
severe cancer for the second time. Become what she has become by choosing not to let disappointment, disabilities take you out. Would you say, lock a man in prison and you have the Apostle Paul. Bury a man in the snow of Valley Forge and you have George Washington, the father of the nation. Strike a man down with polio, put him in a wheelchair, and you have Franklin Delano Roosevelt. On the day of Pearl Harbor's attack, 77 years ago, a few days back, he gripped America out of fear, and he said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Have a person born in a minority of hatred. Have them born in a society filled with racial discrimination and hatred, and you have Booker T. Washington. You have George Washington Carver, and you have Martin Luther King Jr. Have them become deaf, mute, and blind. You say, what can they accomplish? They can graduate the university with the highest honor. Call them a slow learner. Call them uneducatable. Call them an absolute disabled person. And you got Albert Einstein. What's your excuse today? Have him born in poverty with parents who lived in political slavery, whose birth was said to be illegitimate, who was hated by the organized church, who was murdered by the state as being an insurrectionist. That means he was dangerous, too dangerous to live. And you have the baby called Christ in the manger. Friends, Christ did not come into this world to do away with suffering. He did not come to this world to explain our difficulty and say, you are who you are, you little serial killer, because your mama didn't give you enough chocolate chip cookies. No, he came to feel your pain with promise. He came to fill your agony with divine presence. He came to make the impossible possible. He came to be your burden bearer. He came to be your way maker. He came to prove today that nothing's impossible to them that believe, no matter what you've gone through today, regardless of your adversity, regardless of your setback, your upbringing, not having a dad, or maybe had a dysfunctional one, having a divorce, having a separation, having a disability, having some anxieties, having some fears, no matter what you go through, regardless of where you were born, what neighborhood, no matter what has come your way, you, if you choose the day to serve the Lord, run the race and honor him, God says, I put you in the winner's circle. You're not getting a participation trophy. You're getting a crown that will never fade. Hallelujah.